The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Only one thing to talk about today, so let's not hold off another second. Joining us to relive the fun of the North London derby are Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's the gen- that hello, hello from Amy there is the general mood of the podcast. You don't get that too often. You don't get the double hello no, from no, Amy no. unless unless it's gone well. Well, it did go well. Arsenal 3, uh, Tottenham 1, a frankly delirious Emirates Stadium on Saturday. We were going to ask the question that because Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1 and obviously everything else is, is seen through that filter, I was going to ask, what's the worst thing that happened to you yesterday? Uh, bearing in mind, of course... Uh, if you need reminding, that Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1. Adrian, I'm going to come to you first. What's the worst thing that happened to you yesterday? Well, well, I've had a sensational weekend. The worst thing that's happened to me this weekend, genuinely, is finding out five minutes ago that we changed the opening question. (laughs) Because I'd had a great great movie title for Granite Xhaka's Redemption Story. Here we go. It's Mission Impossible 8, Revulsion to reverence. There you go. I worked ever so hard on that. But it doesn't matter because Spurs lost 3-1 against the Arsenal. It could have been a lot worse. And my daughter, Evie, six years old, scored her first ever goals this morning. Two of them in a 6-1 win. So uh, weekends, weekends don't get much better. Weekends don't. No, no. If uh, I think the advert is if, if Heineken made weekends, is that the sort of thing? And no, that is true. But we are not talking, we're talking about the worst thing that happened to you. I mean, if the worst thing that happened to you is that the, the preparation you did for the opening question uh, is is uh, is null and void. And let's be fair, we will talk about Granite Jacker through the season. So it'll probably come up again. It was a pretty good weekend. Well, let me tell you about my weekend uh, first, because I've had a fabulous weekend as well. Of course I have. But yesterday evening, I mean, a sad fact is I had to leave the pub uh, a couple of hours after getting into it after the game because I had to go to work. I had to do some gigs. And after my gigs, I was looking for food and I couldn't find any food and my legs were hurting because I've been on my feet for most of the game and doing a lot of walking about. And and I, I found some food and it was... It was okay, to be honest with you. It wasn't the best food I've ever had, but it was okay. But I was fine with it. And you know why? Because Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1 at the Emirates yesterday. They gave me this food. And in other circumstances, being the good Jewish boy that I am, I probably would have sent it back. But I went, no, no, I will keep it. Because Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1. I'll have it. So that's probably the worst thing that happened to me yesterday. Amy, I've got a feeling that other worst things might have happened to you. Yeah, I'm feeling fairly confident here that I might uh, walk away with the worst uh, moment of the weekend prize. Um, Bearing in mind that Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1. Ah, yeah, yeah. That uh, <laughs> just put that happy tinge on things. And it, it enabled mm-hmm. you to accept the, the slings and arrows that life throws at you. Yeah. Such as on a beautiful walk with the dog, thinking about how wonderful life was. <sighs> I don't even know if I can say this on air. He ate something. That came out of another dog. <laughs> didn't come out of another dog. It came out of a human. <laughs> Leaned on by Romero. Chance for Shaka! The Emirates explodes 
Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. For those people, uh, many of the listeners uh, to this podcast who are uh, in other countries and other parts of the world where you can't get to uh, the Emirates, Amy, tell us about the atmosphere at the Emirates at the moment. I mean, listen, can I just say from my point of view, I've never, I don't think I've ever felt anything like this, certainly at the Emirates and not, I'll be honest, that often at Highbury, the, the connection between the, the crowd and the team is, is really something magical and special is happening. Well, uh, it's a, a phrase that I've used sometimes in the past when I'm talking about what I really love about being in a football crowd, and that's hugging strangers. And I think wherever you were in the ground for the derby, it had that hugging strangers kind of a vibe about it where... You know, anyone who was within arm's reach felt like a brother or a sister. And it was sharing. Everybody, you look into each other's eyes, the people around you, and see everybody is sharing this real, genuine excitement. There's a vibe going on and everybody wants in. Everybody. There's not anyone inside that ground who fancies a moan. I mean, there's not a lot to moan about, let's be honest. Arteta made it a priority when he joined this club, which is to try to reignite the connection that had been extinguished virtually or certainly very much dampened between the club, the crowd, the players, a sort of almost triangular embracing of one another. And it's so alive and kicking at the moment. You know, I I think everybody, I've been someone uh, uh, who was saying the players in the dressing room, they just can't wait for the next game. No. And you see the sort of messages there, they're, on social media, I think it was Bukayo Saka who put something out along the lines of like, this is our place. There's a real sense of of it being a bit of a fortress and a kind of fortress with a kind of loving feeling. And it's not since Highbury, I don't think, has that been achievable. So people can't get tickets at the moment for love nor no. money. It's, it's, it's absolutely the place to be. And I think the players are thriving on it. Sometimes the crowd can bring pressure. And at the moment, the crowd brings fuel. Adrian, I, uh, um, Mikel Arteta said the fans are incredible. Probably the best atmosphere I've seen in this stadium since I've been involved with the club, for sure. It's just a joy. Thank you. I sort of feel like I wanted to say the same to him. It is just a joy. It's a joy to watch them. Thank you for doing what you're doing. But we see this symbiotic, this symbiotic relationship coming out now, don't we? Yeah, completely. I, I agree with all of those sentiments, really. The, the the team and the manager have engaged the fans through their excellence, really. And, and I think the fans are, as Amy says, fueling the players and the team. It's, it is a sight to behold. I have to say, being inside Emirates Stadium on a match day this season, it's kind of like going back in time um 20 years isn't it to the last time we had a really good team and um, and where everybody is so so behind the group and so engaged with the, with the quality of what they're seeing it's it's lovely it, i've never seen emirates as vibrant as, as it is right now and there's there's a lot of young people it, yeah. it feels like there's a lot of young people inside the ground and for those young people it's probably never been as exciting as it is right now if you're in your early 20s you won't remember those great teams from from the late nineties, early two thousands. So, for for some of these guys and girls, this is this is the best they've seen, and I think everybody is truly excited about it. Uh, yeah, but I want to make a further point about that. The thing you just said, 
I'm starting to think, and I'm and I'm not saying this is the case yet because we haven't seen trophies. I mean, we, we did win the FA Cup a, years, a couple of years ago, but that feels like a hundred years ago. By the way, as a lot happened, I'm starting to think this could be something. I don't think I've I've actually ever experienced anything quite like this. And the reason I'm saying that is because when we had that team. Arsene Wenger's great teams from 97, 98 onwards. We were so good. We used to turn up at Highbury, almost like a theatre crowd. We used to clap them, go, I wonder how many we're going to get today. Oh, my God, we're amazing. And we had and we had grown-up players who'd won trophies and there was a sense of this is a, a grown-up team. They were ready to go. Whereas what we've got now, this is a team that's been, fought, this, this been fired through adversity. Some quite bad adversity. Aside, obviously, the, the COVID pandemic which obviously everyone had to put up with, but also the fact that Mikel Arteta, you know, it wasn't always sweetness and light for him. We know how they've suffered the last couple of years. And to see, and also, by the way, a young team, and to see a young team develop in this way, I mean, Amy, you've got your, you know, you want to say something here. Are you going to talk about the uh, the team from the late 80s, early 90s and, and that period? Because I think it's, it's almost more like that. These are young guys all working as a team with no real superstars and that's what it feels like to me that's why I think it feels as special as it does yeah I think it's much more reminiscent of that of that era but uh, just when you talk about a grown-up team and and a young team as if they're mutually exclusive I'm just looking and thinking about this team now and wondering if it's possible to be a young team and a grown-up team at the same time if that's not too much of a contradiction but it feels like at the moment yes they've got you know youthfulness in terms of their ages but I think they have a pretty grown-up mentality at the moment whether they've sort of fast-tracked that mentality through a combination of factors obviously bringing in people like Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko have had a a big impact allowing Granit Xhaka to be a Granit Xhaka who focuses on all the good things rather than you know having to get bogged down by the things that make life more difficult for him is helpful but even the experiences of some of the other players who have absorbed a lot in the last year or so, is is telling. And I think they all feel like they have a certain experience behind them that underlines their feeling of positivity that they can do well together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, it's, well, a brother, it, it's, a, it's a brotherhood, isn't it? Born out of a, a major disappointment last season. They, they've, they've used that uh, in a very, very positive way. Way, I, I agree. You, I actually agree with your point there, Stoney. I think it is more like the late eighties. That was when I first engaged with Arsenal myself as a youngster. That's when I got spotted. I think in eighty six, eighty seven, and and that team was young. It was hungry. It was rough around the edges. It wasn't perfect, but it had fight and it had. They created a sort of Arsenal DNA. I think at, at that point under George Graham that the fans. Have have still not forgotten about, and they still have craved it for so long to see to see that blend of of good football and, and real heart and fight, and we're getting to see that now. It's 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 joyous. We are, Amy. Well, Aaron Ramsdale had a chat with us after the game, and uh, just what you were saying there, uh, uh, Adrian. He spoke about the disappointment of last season being a specific sort of uh, inspiration, I think, for what's going on at the moment. And he said he described it as a burning fire that they feel to make that right. And he gives the, he spoke very eloquently and talked about this kind of feeling that they're all going into training every day from day one at the beginning of this season 
and there's a, a an extra push and extra intensity and extra level of focus. And it was, you know, without it being explicitly said, there's something they're all sensing about making sure that that kind of disappointment or wasted opportunity where they weren't capable of grabbing it, not quite last season, to make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, Tony Adams always used to say, you learn more from the defeats than the victories. And I think they learned something very big last season. It hurt deep. Yeah. And uh, it's providing them with a, um, a knowledge that they don't want to feel that anymore. And I think that is underpinning the way they're playing. And the improvement in the team and in the quality of performances this is start of the season has been really exceptional. Yeah. Really exceptional. Yeah. I think my, you know, in the way that kids do, one of my sons are, uh, who didn't get to see the game yesterday asked me for, you know, ratings for all the players yesterday because I love to do that sort of stuff. What do you give everybody out of 10 for their performance yesterday? Luckily, we don't follow the L'Equipe model of uh, extremely mean marks. But we were going through it and I thought pretty much everybody was more or less an eight or a nine. Was an eight, yeah, at least. And that's that's pretty unusual from, you know, from Arsenal of the past decade or whatever to have the whole team front to back putting in quite consistently an extremely high level of performance. No weak links, nothing you're worried about. It's a real credit to what the players have decided that they're demanding of themselves this season. Yeah. Yeah, uh, agreed. I mean, I mean, we could talk about pretty much anyone on the pitch. Um, obviously, Adrian, you were slightly disappointed that we didn't go with the Granite Jacker film <laughs> question at the start. Um, Granite Jacker, there was a lot of talk on Twitter about uh, uh, after we scored the first goal and uh, the team in that huddle. And Granite Xhaka uh, is the one waving his finger and telling people we go again and all that sort of stuff, I'm assuming that's what he said. I mean, they were interviewing him on Match of the Day as well about how three years ago what happened with the armband and all the rest of it. And now we're singing songs about him. And I, I like the way that he reacted to that, Adrian. He he obviously is pleased. He's proud that's what he said. He said he's very proud. But I think if we are talking about a Granite Xhaka redemption arc, it, it it ends with him lifting a major trophy, doesn't it, really? That would be nice. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and if we were to win a major trophy, yeah, maybe Martin Erdegaard would, would share that honour with Granite Xhaka because I think he is the leader within the team. He does feel that We way. saw that with that huddle after the goal. He was the one driving the players on, wasn't he? He was the one putting the messages out there. And, and it's so important to have someone as respected as him within the dressing room. And, and, and why wouldn't they respect him? Because he's, he's come back from serious adversity, hasn't he, in terms of where he was emotionally with the team and the, and the fans. So, so the strength of character to go from where he was to where he is now is, is extraordinary. He's learned a new position as well, which he is fast perfecting uh, he's just excellent in that role isn't that and, um, Adrian isn't that the position mm. he plays for in the Swiss national team no 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 I don't remember seeing him in that role no I, I think it's somewhere in between right I don't think he, he was um I, I don't see him bursting into the box for fun for Switzerland I see him I see him maybe five or ten yards further forward than he was for Arsenal but no this is this is new in my opinion in terms of, of the amount of times that he gets into the box. To put it into perspective, Harry Kane had two touches inside our box yesterday. Granit Xhaka had five inside Tottenham's box, as many as Tottenham's 
highest player, which was Richarlison. He he's you know he's he's getting into those positions all of the time, and he's causing chaos. Very very impressed with him. It wasn't just him though. I, I actually probably wouldn't have given him man of the match. I thought his finish was was superb, and I thought he played excellently. But you know, all around the pitch, there there were outstanding performances. I think I think Thomas Partey probably stood out the most for me with his control and what he brought to the team in the base of midfield. I thought that Jesus was sublime again. I thought the wingers were were outstanding. Saliba. Just absolute class. I mean, I would put a lot of these names absolutely on the same pedestal from yesterday's game. It was, um, yeah, they were, they were all outstanding. A joy, really. Amy? Yeah, just on Granite Xhaka, um, Mr. FF1 uh, sent us all a tweet which said, with all due respect to Erdegaard, who I love, don't you think that Xhaka is the actual captain of the team? Which I thought was quite an interesting observation. I mean, they're obviously all playing a part in that kind of shared leadership model that we've become used to. Um, but it is, you know, it, it's kind of amazing that he feels able, again, not just to lead the team by deeds, but to actually put that armband back on if Odegaard gets substituted and that it's okay. Um, and it feels natural. It feels totally natural. When Odegaard gets substituted, he gives it to Granite, and you go, yeah, of course Granite should have the armband. And that's <laughs> as it should be. So to answer that question... He is, he's one of the natural leaders in the team, certainly, and probably the one that they all listen to because of his experience. I think one of the places I didn't anticipate there being leadership, and he does it by example, is Saliba. I think the example he sets with his composure and his, uh, his coolness at the back of the team is just blowing my mind. And... Uh, Harry Kane in his pocket yesterday, which, by the way, England fans, you will see again in eight weeks' time at the World Cup, I imagine. <laughs> Sad as that may be for the when, England when fans. We, I spoke to William Gallas, uh, pitch side, before the game for, for the Breakdown Live, and we would, I asked him about Saliba, and he was obviously waxing lyrical about him. But the point that he made that really stuck with me in our interview was that for 21-year-old players or young players in their early 20s that are attackers... He says it's, in his opinion, easier to shine and easier to to give of your best and to, to, to stand out because everything you do in those positions is instinctive and fresh and it's about catching people by surprise. He said for defenders, it's about soaking up knowledge and intelligence and learning from your experience and learning about your teammate and learning about your partner. What does he like? What are his faults? How can I best help him out? the player to my right, the player to my left, the player in front. You need to develop these understandings and that all comes with time and experience. So for a person of William Saliba's age to be as exemplary as he is right now is genuinely exceptional. And I think by the time he's in his mid-twenties, he's going to be a frighteningly good central defender, which is exciting. His temperament is unreal. I mean, it doesn't look like there's a single thing on earth that could unnerve him. But, you know, I keep hearing people talk about, oh, you know, there aren't many, you know, he must be the best young defender in the world or amongst the best. I just don't think that his age has anything to do with how he should be being assessed. I would challenge anyone to find me five centre-backs in the world of football operating today who are better than him right now. I'm not sure that that is happening. I think he's that good. Well, I mean, with that being the case... 
Um, ben White has moved out to the right, highlighted on Match of the Day last night by Wrighty, and I thought that was great. I mean, he's not going to go at the World Cup, is he? It's unlikely, I think. You know, Mikel Arteta, to a certain extent, by putting him out there, has meant that it's unlikely because it's not like we're short of right backs in the England setup. But what Wrighty said about his composure and the way he's playing. That little cross he did for Jesus when he just when he just stood it up and Jesus should have scored, but he was slightly injured from a minute before. <laughs> but him and Saka are getting a really nice little partnership going now. I would suggest, uh, and I think I don't know whether you agree, Adrian. He's our mm. first choice right back now. Oh, of course he is. I mean, Tommy Assey's been fit, fit and ready to go for for a long time. So no, he's absolutely the first choice right back. And Ben White is has earned everybody's respect, I think, by virtue of the fact that he's he's seen William Saliba come into the building and steal his place, hasn't he? That's what happened. He was he was excellent last season yeah. as our right-sided centre-back. We weren't complained about the centre-half partnership, were we? Let's Not at all. Not at all. Yet he took that on the chin and he thought, okay, you want to put me right back? Fine. I'll just make sure I'm better than Tommy Asif at right back and I'll work at that. Because, it, okay, he's played it a few times before at Leeds and whatnot. He's played it with England. But he's not a natural right back. And the picture of the entire pitch changes when you change position as dramatically as that. Yes. And the function of what you're asked to do changes dramatically. The energy he's, required yeah. in someone yes. playing yeah. as a wing back or a right back is unbelievable yeah. compared to a centre half, right? Exactly. So he's learning on the job like Mikel Arteta learned on the job when he became a manager. It's it, it's really, really impressive. The majority of Ben White's touches yesterday were in a position I would associate with a right central midfielder. And and this isn't something he's used to, um, but he made it look very very easy. So yeah, Ben White is have it should absolutely be in the England squad, but Gareth Southgate won't won't pick him now, um, and and that's his loss, and probably Arsenal's game Arsenal's because game, though, yeah. it will it will, I think, uh, pr- provoke in Ben White even more determination to get better and to prove him wrong. I mean, the other thing that he did yesterday, one of the many things that he did yesterday, that he got the pass from Saka and he rolled it into the path of Partey, uh, who buried it in the top corner. Uh, let's be fair, he's had plenty of practice with those shots, hasn't he? <laughs> 64 previous attempts. 64 previous attempts. And none of them got within about five yards of the goal, did they? But this one, I mean, what a shot that was. But again... Ben White's little five-yard roll pass to him was was at perfect weight. He didn't have to adjust his body at all. He could just step onto it and bury it in the uh, uh, in the top corner. Amy, I mean, I'm sure you might have things to say about about Ben White as well. But Thomas Partey. Uh, and the way he played yesterday, and someone said it looked like he was running that game in second gear. Are we finally seeing the player that we spent fifty million quid for? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, I- Quite apart from the goal, I think his overall performance was about as good as he's ever shown in an Arsenal shirt. So what one thing that I think we've talked about previously on the pod is that there are really two players who play very, very specific positions for Arsenal on this current team, uh, and that's Jesus and Party, where there isn't the most obvious deputy. So, yeah, that would be the concern with those two players, particularly because on their day, they are so integral to how Arsenal are performing at the moment. Adrian, you're nodding along there. Um, oh. I mean, I mean, it, it, we do, obviously, 
we could be hit by uh, by injury losses to any of our team, and we mm. understand that. And obviously, everyone has to deal with that. But those two that Amy was just was just talking about there, they do seem so integral. That being said, Eddie mm-hmm. Nketiah came on for the last ten minutes yesterday and did a turn, <laughs> which I don't know if you noticed this, that was so Gabriel Jesus. I mean, it was like <laughs> you looked at it and went, "Well, he's watched him do that in training. You know, he has, and he's practiced it." I, I have faith, as far as Jesus is concerned, that Eddie can and will step up if needed because I think there is such a team ethic and everyone knows their roles now. He's a bit of an identical, isn't he, stylistically? The movements, the turns, the skills. I, I do get it. It's just, you know, a, I, still, I think there's a bit, bit of a gap there between them in terms of, of quality. But Eddie's been brilliant since he came into the team in the second half of last season, hasn't he? So we should have faith and and trust in him. But Jesus is on another level. I think he is uh, such a gifted forward player. Really, really exciting to watch. I loved it when he went on those little slalom dribbles, uh, picking the ball up on the left and just ghosting past players. Just so much fun, fun to watch. And and that penetration that he provides us... is such an asset. We couldn't, there were spells when Arteta's Arsenal were clunky and predictable and slow. We played everything in front of opposition teams. We couldn't get in behind them. It's the, it is the exact opposite now. Jesus stretches other defences like no other striker in recent times that Arsenal has been able to do. And, and that would include a Bamiyang. So um, just, just think, I mean, this is one stat that I, I sort of picked out myself just before we came on air. I wanted to look at how many touches Jesus had inside the box. It was 13. Um, and that's the same as Tottenham as a team. Um, so, you know, that that shows you that, you know, what a, what an incisive player he is and, and how much we dominated the game. We atta- What I loved about this performance, apart from that sort of 15-minute wobble where Spurs looked really dangerous on the counter and we lost a bit of control before half-time, the rest of the game, we just attacked. It was attack, 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 fast football, go at Tottenham. Just go at them and make things happen. I, I, it's so exciting, I, isn't it? I, I, love, I just love the mentality of yeah. it because it was a high-stakes game, a high-pressure game. The, 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 the eyes of the world were on the players, but they were, they, they were, they, they were carefree in that, in that regard. All they were interested in was hurting Tottenham Hotspur and it, I love to see it. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. We all love to see it. Amy? I mean, what's r- miraculous, really, is it was, It doesn't feel like that long ago that we'd be sitting around having a conversation about why is it that the only form of Arsenal's attack was for get it up to Kieran Tierney for a cutback? I mean, look at the transformation in terms of yeah. the, you know, the yeah. whole modus operandi of the team, the energy the efficiency, the expressiveness. It's completely and utterly different. I just on, on Gabriel Jesus, who you're waxing so lyrically about there, Adrian, did you notice how Tottenham's players in the early part of the game were, every time they were anywhere near him, someone was sort of rolling around as if to try and get him booked? And I just thought it was so, um, so noticeable. And... Again, you've got to pat Gabriel Jesus on the back because it's pretty obvious that he would have been told in no uncertain terms like he didn't know already. You know, no yellow cards in this one, sunshine. But he still no. plays on that kind of knife edge of 
of dynamism and, and you know combativeness when he's competing for the ball. Also, and, by the way, sorry, Amy, before you go on, if we got a yellow card in this game, we'd have missed the Liverpool game. Exactly. As well. so, so that's exactly why he couldn't get. You know, it, it, it was really risky. But you could see that Tottenham were thinking it would get inside his head if they got him booked early. And I think they were uh, appealing for all sorts of imaginary contact or vague contact that was a bit naughty. And I was very, very glad that the referee didn't fall for that because you can't really trust that the referees are always going to get these decisions right. Uh, This is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll talk more about the North London derby. I'm sorry, I'm still just so happy after yesterday, uh, after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here talking about the North London derby. Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1, if you need reminding of the score. Um, Is there a sweepstake uh, as to how many times you can say that during this podcast? <laughs> oh, by the way, the score was Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. Do you know what? Whatever people said, I'd, I'd like to say it more than that because I, I genuinely... I, I I haven't felt that much happiness. By the way, I did see the uh, the Tottenham team coach after I left the pub yesterday. I did see the Tottenham team coach leaving. Oh, the abuse it got from along the Holloway Road! It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, they they and they they actually they sort of blacked out the windows, but you know the players would have seen it, which is marvellous. But as they turned as it turned out of Queensland Road, I think there was a rubbish truck right ne- next to it. <laughs> Would have made a really good photo. Outstanding. Um, Amy, you wrote a piece about uh, the game yesterday and you talked about how how it was the same, but it was different from last season's 3-1 win uh, over Spurs. Also, by the way, an incredibly joyous occasion. And you mentioned the Aaron Ramsdale quotes. Uh, you know, the the thing that Adrian said about the day I returned to pre-seasons, two weeks late through internationals, I came back and the standard of training has increased. People were demanding more of each other. And there were always certain people who were upset when losing in training, but now it is a collective. That's the point, isn't it? It is such a... Uh, a collective now. And I'm not just talking about the players, by the way. I'm talking about the entire club. I'd like to ask Adrian how difficult it is to have that sense of collective where there isn't... I mean. You would imagine that in most dressing rooms, there are at least a certain number of people who are a bit cheesed off for one reason or another, especially those who aren't necessarily getting picked. It's, you know, for, I mean, I feel a little sorry for someone like Tomiyasu, who we were talking about before, who is actually the most phenomenal co- cover for anybody across the whole back four, by the way. And he will, I'm sure, get plenty of football this year, but has gone from being, you know, like, so loved like a cult hero when he turned up and everyone thought he was a phenomenon to struggling to get minutes. I think there's an art form to keeping people happy who are not getting selected perhaps as often as they wish. What what do you reckon, Adrian? I mean, I think they have got it, got the vibes there that everybody feels included and wanted, but it is a tough balancing act. 
Is it very tough? Yeah, I've been in uh, probably the majority of the dressing rooms that I've been in have been more fracturous than together. Um, if I'm being honest, but when when everybody is together and and on the same page, and those out of the team are really on board and and supportive, then it can be a really powerful thing. And you can you can that's when the the, the unbeaten runs you know go on and on and on. It does it does make a tremendous difference, and it's a it's a huge part of success as a football club is building the right environment. And fans don't obviously get to see that, but it is it is integral. Well. Uh, it's well publicised that Edu got or, or together with Arteta got rid of players that they didn't see as being part of that, and they slimmed everything down. and And they've got they have got a smaller squad now. We saw that Ethan Wanieri wouldn't wouldn't have got a game if we had a a deep squad, a really really huge squad. And um, so the fact that it's a smaller squad helps in that regard because everyone feels like they might get a game soon. And I also think that, that there are two other hugely important factors. One is Europe. We've got Europe, Europa League football now where, where these guys can get games and feel part of it and get a chance to impress. And the other one is the substitution change because, you know, there's a huge bench now per match day and, and five five players can come on. So automatically more players within the group are feeling like they're part of it, even if they come on for two minutes you still feel a little bit part of it. So yeah, it's um yeah, it's great. It is great. And and I, I what I would say is I know you're saying fans don't get to see that. I think the Amazon mm. documentary yeah. did really open it up a little bit and fans got to see what they were trying to do. Just a little bit. I, I went around my mates the other day and we were talking about the squad and talking about people like El Nenny and Holding and Cedric who yeah have basically accepted that they're not going to be in the first team. But they also know with the Europa League that they will get the odd game. And who, Adrian, let's be fair, who doesn't want to be on £50,000 a week and be part of a happy group (laughs) who are just having a good time? Uh, And then the bottom line is, is the only way out of Arsenal in most cases is down. Okay, sometimes you can go up, I don't know, back in the day, Players went to Barcelona from us and, and or wherever Manchester City to win titles, but the vast majority of players that leave Arsenal end up at a place that isn't as as big, isn't as as good, isn't as likely to to win them silverware. So why not stick around and be part of it? It's it's a privilege, isn't it, to wear the badge? And I think that those three absolutely typify that type of pro. That they are proud to be Arsenal players and they're happy to chip in in whichever way they can. They've got to that stage in their career where where, where that that makes them content. And I think I think kudos to them for it. One other thing that Ramsdale said, Amy, anytime something has happened this season, Fulham, Leicester, when we concede a goal, it's like it's it's like we have scored a goal with the noise the fans are making and it gives us a boost. It's a never say die attitude. The way I would word it is is what he said is a fuck it mentality. Who cares we've conceded? <laughs> we've got ten minutes, seventy minutes, we'll play our way back. We never run out of time. That is the big thing for us and the manager. We don't stop working. I mean the fans do have to take some credit, but it's in the mentality of the players as well, isn't it? What a lovely attitude to have. I mean, how refreshing is that? When was the last time that we could say that everybody felt that when they looked at the players on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? I mean, he said he also, by the way, said uh, he's not getting carried away by Arsenal's strong start to the season. I mean, it's it's quite sweet actually. He goes, does being top of the table after eight games come into their thinking? And he said, you lot are thinking about that. We're just going to into every game with a big smile on our face, trying to win the game. Um, <laughs> well, let's not go there then particularly I mean it was funny on match of the day last night when uh, when Mark Chapman said to Ian Wright every team that's had twen- has had this number of points after eight games has qualified for the Champions League and Wright he just went no 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 we don't want to get involved in that stuff it's essentially Adrian we are top of the table but under the radar aren't we and that's where we want to remain <laughs> kind of yeah we definitely want to just play it down and just enjoy the ride and just stack as many points in the bank as we can before the inevitable bumps come our way because they will we'll get injuries we'll get suspensions there will be the odd defeat here and there but yeah we just got to enjoy the moment and if with eight games to go we're in a position like this oh god then then, <laughs> then no and i mean it oh, come on that's because, fair enough amy oh isn't it god, I, I can't believe you're saying this stuff out no, loud. no no amy amy sorry we had a chat we had a phone chat a few weeks ago when i was up the edinburgh festival and you said exactly this exactly what adrian just said <laughs> if after 30 games is what you said and i think we'd won four in a row at that point so i think that's fair enough we're not by yeah. the way saying this now listen <laughs> Now, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's just enjoy it. And I think what Aaron Ramsdale said, we are just going into every game with a big smile on our face, trying to win the game. And the fans right now are coming to every game with a big smile on their face. And for the main, uh, leaving it with a big smile on their face uh, as well. We've got Liverpool next in the Premier League, having a bit of a wobble, actually, at the moment. But before that, we have Bodo of Glimped uh, in the Europa League. That's on Thursday I think, night. I think you'll find it's Glimped of Bodo. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Do you know what? Abby, can you look that up? Sorry. <laughs> Abby, can you please keep that in? <laughs> you will remember, Adrian will remember, that someone tweeted in saying that Bodo is the place and Glimped means lightning. It's glimpse of Bodo. Sorry. Are you worried? Okay. Stoney, Stoney, it doesn't matter. That kind of mistake doesn't matter because oh, does. Arsenal beats Spurs 3 1. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It doesn't. Yes, that's true. So apparently I've made a bit of a mistake. Uh, it's it's actually glimped of uh, Bodo or just glimped Bodo uh, with, a, with a slash in between, but it doesn't matter. It's not Bodo either, it's Buddha. <laughs> You guys. Oh my God, honestly. If Arsenal hadn't beaten Tottenham 3 1, this whole conversation would be taking a very different slide. <laughs> it would. And and you know, you know that I've always been a big advocate of the Europa League, partly because of what we were just saying just before about the fact that those minor players can Rob Holding, Cedric and Elnelli can get games and we can bring on fifteen year olds uh perhaps in one of those games because the Europa League is is a much easier competition than the Champions League. But I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to going back to teams I know how to say their names because <laughs> I didn't know about Bodo stroke glimpse glimpse stroke Bodo but anyway we're playing them on Thursday there are going to be some changes Amy right I mean it, it, it's almost worth playing most of the second team now with with Liverpool in mind on the Sunday I, that's the beauty of what's on the bench at the moment at the game on the weekend and when the the um announcer was reading through the, the team sheet and then reading through the list of subs. It's just almost bizarre, slightly surreal feeling of like every name that went, went, yep, yep. And there was not a single name that you were uncomfortable about coming on. 
okay, it might not be dream scenario, but I think there's faith in everybody on that squad. And I definitely can't remember feeling that for a while. No. Adrian? Yeah, no, I agree. No, there's no issue. We've got, we got strong strong backups. I, two or three, maybe, for, from the Spurs starters to to feature from the off against Bodo Glimt. Yeah, I'm not sure who they'll be. I jotted down a team. I think probably Xhaka maybe deserves a rest, even though he always seems to play. We might we might see Odegaard in this one instead of Xhaka. Again, we'll probably see Martinelli again. One of the centre-halves, Gabriel or, or, uh, or Saliba, will probably partner holding. And, and the rest will be the subs for, for the weekend, I guess. So, And uh, I'm fine with that. They're quite an awkward team, I believe. They've, they've got a track record of, of upsetting the odds and we all know what happened with Ostersons a few years ago when we slipped up at home to them. So yeah, it's not a match we can take liberties with, but but whoever we put out from the start will be good enough to win. I know that. And you don't think, and it doesn't feel right now like we take liberties or be complacent about anyone. We're just, we're just getting into work, doing the work that needs to be done and then getting on the pitch and playing, uh, playing good attacking football. Um, one more thing before we go. I read somewhere... I can't remember on one of the many match reports and general bits of uh, of journalism I've read about what happened yesterday uh, when Arsenal beat Tottenham three one. Someone said that uh, <laughs> Mikel Arteta was the most adventurous manager uh, in the Premier League, the most the most creative, uh, possibly even more than Pep Guardiola. Amy, I mean, it's a big question, but there's something very. He's really going for it, isn't he? I mean, Adrian talked about our attack in football. We do not take our foot off the accelerator, really. We just we just go at it. And it's not something we've seen for a long time. I think I'd need a, a, um, a slightly bigger sort of um, list to, 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 to back that up, to be honest. I think this early in the season. And not, you know, not every game was full pelt, full on attack for 90 minutes. I think this team is evolving and perhaps the game against Tottenham was, you know, uh, and the game against Brentford maybe were, were among the more complete performances. But a lot of the other games, there were spells where Arsenal had a little bit of discomfort or let the other team in for a while. Uh, there's not been a clean sheet for a while, uh, for long. So I think it's not definitely... the Emirates for ages. Yeah, so, the, so, so it's, you Nine know, it is, nobody is thinking for a moment that this is, you know, a blueprint that's got perfection written all over it. But the, the, the direction of traffic is extremely positive, extremely enjoyable. And if you beat, you know, Tottenham 3-1, then obviously that, that sums up. So I just, I just thought we hadn't mentioned it for about <laughs> 60 seconds. Quite, quite. Um... <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what, let's have a song uh, to end. We'll go with the uh, wedding disco DJ Adrian Clark himself. <laughs> yeah, got another <laughs> old classic for you. Got I another bet you classic. Have. What yeah. have you got? <laughs> it is by the Mighty Queen. Um, in in honour of, of our eighth opponent that's been vanquished out of nine. Uh, it's got to be another one bites the dust because um, that that song that song is just it, it's about knowing that you you just keep winning you just keep swatting them aside and I think that's where that's where we are at the moment uh, Spurs are just another one that has bitten the dust after we beat them three one of course yeah Amy was there a tiny moment when you thought he was going to go with we are the champions now or... oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that would have been funny. But anyway, we're not going down that way. Uh, Amy, what have you got for us? Uh, for I, I, I had, uh, I've been wrestling between two very, very different song choices that have just been sitting in my earworm for most of the time <laughs> since uh, Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. What, uh, the, the passions I'm in love with the German film star for some reason came into my head and, and turned into a song about William Saliba. And I don't think it, that it, it, you know it's maybe so utterly inappropriate for you know someone of my age to even be saying this out loud. But you know I'm in love with William Saliba. Amy's got a thing you for know. William Saliba. Yeah, it's, I mean she's that's this not really. Before, I, I think does. yeah, but but really I'm I'm just going to go with vibes. It's it's the Jacksons and can you feel it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we can. We could feel it. We could feel it at the Emirates. Let's be honest. Well, of course, it was absolutely marvellous. And if mm. you ever get it, listen, I know people can't go, but try and I don't know. Get down there. It's not easy to get tickets, by the way, uh, at the moment. That is a fair point. It is, as Amy said in her piece, which you should definitely read, uh, the hottest ticket in town. I'm having uh, a song from 1970, proper old hippie classic uh, by Three Dog Night, uh, Joy to the World. I actually listened to it before I started the pod. (laughs) Uh, joy to the world, all the all the boys and girls, joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea, joy to you and me, right? And quite a lot of the time, I would be sticking my fingers down my throat at sentiments like that. But right now, that's all I'm feeling. I'm genuinely feeling great. And uh, I'm sure you guys are too. Uh, that's it for Handbrake Off. Thanks to Amy. Thanks to Adrian. Uh, thanks to Abby, our producer. And thank you, Arsenal, for Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. I'm Ian Stone. See you.